our statement was that we generally will overestimate what we can do in a year, and we will generally underestimate what we can do in five years. And boy, is that ever true. We just kind of jump in with New Year's resolutions and, uh, uh, and, and we pile them on. And as the statistics go, by March, most of those are by the wayside. And then last week, we looked at the conversation about the ab- in the absence of uh, crisis, which is kind of ironic. That was the title of the message, but that's when the crisis actually started. So, um, But our point there was uh, it takes a drastic action to break our inaction so that we can move forward. And we briefly talked about Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha created his own uh, uh, crisis or, or drastic action when he killed his oxen so that he could go and follow Elijah and serve him for the next 18 years. It's a crisis uh, that proves that we can all change. And I know there's uh, statements like, you, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks, etc. But uh, in reality, in crisis, we can all change. And, and, and what we want is to change for the better or learn how to change for the better without the pressure of a negative crisis. And that's exactly what we saw that Elisha did last week. If you uh, pull it up on the website, you can listen to that. I think there's some powerful lessons, uh, lessons there. Uh, with him that we could all step into. None of us wants to have uh, or have to have a crisis in order for us to do something uh, different or amazing or to move or to break the inertia that we get stuck in. I want to take just a second here. Um, I don't want to minimize uh, this coronavirus at all, but uh, sometimes we do need to kind of bring things back into perspective. And, and I want to remind you of a few things that as a nation that we've come through, and I would say with the help and support of God, but in 2000 we had Y2K. Remember that was going to be the end of the world. People where we were at in Idaho at the time were building bunkers underground and, uh, and everything else trying to save their life. And then in 2001 we had the whole anthrax uh, issue, and then in 2002 we had the West Nile virus, and then in 2005 we had the bird flu, 2006 we had the E. coli scare, and then in 2008 we had our economy completely crash and fall to the bottom. In 2010 we had that amazing oil spill, if you remember that, that was going to uh, ruin everything, and then we had the Mayan calendar in 2012, and in 2014 we had the Ebola virus, and we've come through all of these. We've made it through all of these, every last one of these. And then we came through, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2015, we came through the whole ISIS ordeal. And then in 2016, remember the Zika virus. And, and, and then now we stand here in 2020 and we have the coronavirus. And uh, I just want to say this, that, you know, God has delivered us through them all. And, and, and he will continue to do that. And, and every crisis that we see, both in the Bible and in modern time, we have found that God steps up to the plate and he uh, intervenes in every one of those. And I don't think we should expect any less today uh, for this coronavirus. And I hope by the end of this message that you have a, a new level of faith to realize you know, that God will deliver us from them all. 
He's going to deliver us from them all. I don't know why in this particular virus, maybe they're trying new things that it seems that they're going to shut everything down to stop it. And, <clears throat> you know, I believe our government is just doing their best to, to, to end this virus. Uh, but it really, uh, uh, to my knowledge, is not the worst that we've ever had. Uh, when I named some of the other ones, the Zika virus and the Ebola and so forth, uh, were all very terrible. So as we move forward together, today's conversation is about too small to fail. Too small to fail. And I want to give us two aspects of that. But before I do, let me pray. And let's just ask the Holy Spirit, because again, this is all new territory. I'm standing up here <clears throat> with all of you <clears throat> excuse me, at home and uh, <laughs> probably in your pajamas, which it uh, sounds like maybe next week I might be home in my pajamas speaking to you, so we'll all be family. But uh, it's just different from uh, hearing it from home as well as speaking it from here to you. But thank God for technology, amen? We have technology that's uh, allowed this to happen. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us get into receiving his word in this different atmosphere. I thought the worship was amazing and the prayer was uh, just, just really good. And uh, we'll get used to it. It's going to be awesome. And so, Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's the only firm foundation that we can stand on, but you've given us it and revelation with it. And so, Father, we're just thankful today for that. I pray that every one of us would be able to adjust in this morning to really have an ear what the Holy Spirit's saying. You're no less in every home than you are when we gather together. And, uh, Lord, we know that, we believe that, and we want to make our heart and mind to just, uh, Lord, transition into that kind of listening so that we can receive. Uh, the Word of God, the power of God, and the truth of God given by the Holy Spirit even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're talking about too small to fail, and uh, I want to give you two aspects of small. The first one that we're going to talk about is that <clears throat> it's about feeling small and powerless in circumstances. Wow. Boy, is that ever effective today. How many of you maybe feel a little bit small today? And the second aspect of it is making small steps that have an effect toward a big goal or toward a desired change. So how do we take these steps to get there? There's a Chinese proverb that says, every journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Every journey with a thousand miles begins with with one step. And it's interesting as we go through a few things, uh, uh, a few thoughts and a few, few conclusions here, uh, uh, the, the whole concept of small steps is not a new one. Uh, in fact, God has taught his people that from uh, over 3,000 years ago. Isaiah in chapter 28 and verse 10 said this here, it says, for precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. In other words, that little repeated action can make a big difference in our lives. And so this is not a new concept, and we'll see some other verses with that in just a few moments. And, and I know that there's dreams that you have, there's dreams that we all have uh, that can seem overwhelming to us. How would we ever get there? And, uh, and, and even the obstacles seem overwhelming to how we might get there. But hopefully today we can get a couple clues into this and begin to move forward. Something small adding up over time. Something small 
adding up over time. Remember, we mentioned the compound interest idea, and then we also mentioned the, uh, the domino effect and how that works. And so uh, the, the, the reality in this whole idea of uh, too small to fail and doing things step by step really comes into motion in our lives. And as we look into the scriptures, we're going to see this. But I, I want to also say this, and some of us have experienced this, is that this principle also works in, in reverse. I, I can go Start, I can have a dream here, but I can take steps in this direction and end up further away in five years than when I started. And so we want to make sure that we're taking right steps and we're moving in the right direction so that we can fulfill the, the dreams and the, and the desires that God has for you, for us as a church, and for you individually. A little bit of the background of the two chapters that we will look at briefly this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and Exodus 23, uh, is uh, the background of that is uh, Israel uh, ended up in a famine, and through that they end up, ended up going to Egypt. And if you remember the story of Joseph, he had made provision for them ahead of time. Think about that. God always has a plan ahead of time. He made provision for them. They come over to Egypt, and, and the challenge was is they started really liking Egypt. They started getting comfortable there, and when the Pharaoh that was over Joseph passed on, the next Pharaoh came on who didn't know Joseph and thought, what in the world's the Israelites doing in my, in, in my uh, sphere? And that's when they started to put the pressure on them. And they started to say, man, there's just too many of them. They're starting to overwhelm. They're, they're probably, hopefully, they're starting to change the atmosphere of our city in a way we don't like. And so there began the persecution, and, and before you know it, there was just a lot of heavy weight on them. Well, then the next step in history is that God was preparing and calls Moses up to be the deliverer, who was a type of Christ. He was a deliverer to deliver the people. Um, and so he raises up, and, and, he, and he steps into the game here. And, and again, many of this, is, this may be the most familiar story to all of us. We watch it as at Charleston Heston every year. You know, he plays the part. And, um, and he steps in, and Moses finally goes to Pharaoh and says, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. We were never supposed to stay here. We were always supposed to pass through to go to the promised land. We did get comfortable. We started enjoying it, and we quit following. And so God put the pressure on them, made them slaves, but then he raised up a deliverer to get them on the rest of the pass, and that's who Moses was. And so Moses rallies around, seeks God, gets the direction, goes to Pharaoh, uh, and, and finally, after many plagues and so forth, and you remember the story of the death angel, finally Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And he sends them off, he loads them up, sends them off, and off they go. And I kind of often wondered, <clears throat> because in the providence of God, shortly after they left, what happened was, is Pharaoh started thinking, wait a minute. Why are they going with all of our stuff? They should be here being slaves, you know? And, 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 and maybe we made a mistake. And, and I often wondered if maybe the, the children of Israel were thinking about, man, we want to go back. We, we don't want to go on this journey. We don't see anything good out of this so far. We're still wandering uh, forward. And so he sends the army. The army chases him, if you remember the story. And that's when Moses steps up at the uh, Red Sea 
and parts it with his uh, staff, if you remember right. And, and, and that's when the, the Red Sea opens. Well, a lot of people will say that's a picture of water baptism. You, and the children of Israel went through it. They just went through it. And, and, and sure enough, Pharaoh followed with the horses and chariots. And when the children of Israel all got through it, that's when the waters closed in and totally put the old man to death just like water baptism does for us. And, 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 and it's just a beautiful picture of that. But it took the drastic action of the Pharaoh beginning to chase them because the people were standing at the edge of the water complaining and murmuring about moving forward, saying they really liked it back in the good old days. And, and so uh, we see this whole thing happening here with Israel. And then so the next stage then is that they're now through the Red Sea, they're on their way when God sends an angel to speak to them. Because you see, they're still not in the promised land, they're out of Egypt, but they're now in this wilderness, and most of us know that story. They landed in a trip that was supposed to take two weeks, it took them 40 years because of their wanderings and because of their lack of faith and because of their lack of following God. And so here we're going to read just a verse here or two that, excuse me, that talks about this in Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 to 30, Exodus 23. Uh, 25 to 30. It says, listen to these words. It's just uh, so important for us to catch this. He's trying to give them a pep talk for where they're going. He's saying, okay, we're going to go here, but this is what you need to know. You need to know this. It says, so, he sends an angel to him. So, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in the land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Verse 27, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all uh, the people to whom you come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you. Whatever that means, whatever that's talking about. I'm going to send hornets. I, I just have nightmares. I've been around bees before. <laughs> There's nightmares thinking about these hornets that are coming. And, uh, and so I'm going to send hornets before you, which I guess that's good if it's before me and not at me. Uh, I will not, listen to this here. This is the important verse here. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you. Listen to that. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you have inherited the land. Man, when I read that, I thought, wow, what a, what a powerful thing to understand. You know, some of us would all love to have all of our enemies gone in an instant. How many would say amen to that? You know, we just wanted to be gone. And yet here God's saying, I'm going to send you to your promised land, but I will not drive them all out before you in a year. I just want you to know, they didn't want to hear that <laughs> any more than I would want to hear that. I would like to have that, but they didn't want to hear that. But it's, it's encouraging for us to know this, is that he has promised was that I will drive them out. I will take care of them. But you might get close to them. You might see them. You might get really close. But don't fear, I told you I would take care of them. And, and, and I think at this point, uh, Israel uh, probably felt a bit powerless and probably a bit small 
Because think about it, they were in slavery for 400 years. They didn't, they didn't learn how to war when they were in slavery. They were slaves. And so now they're coming out, and all these uh, Hittites and, uh, and, and Amorites and all these different people that were in the promised land, they gathered and took their ground in the promised land, are now there, and they're expected to go there and take that land. Well, they have no, probably have no weapons. They have no knowledge of fighting. And so I, I think they felt pretty small and powerless because it says those were great, and they were mighty nations. They weren't small things. They were equipped because they were always guarding their own territory. And so we, they had these feelings of being small and powerless, uh, and, and, and those nations were amazingly stronger than what they were. But already in place, God said, that's the promised land. That's what I want to give you. And I'm not going to do it all at once, but I'm going to do it little by little. I'm going to do it line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. But you can trust me, and you can count on me. And I, I, as I thought about this, I thought, what are the promises maybe that God has given you that you don't see the answer to yet? You don't see the promise to. As a matter of fact, you see what looks like the enemy too large over that for you to overcome. And, and that's how you feel. And, and, and you feel like, man, I, I, I need to fight for that. And I think you do. Well, the Bible does talk about that. And we'll get to that at some point in this series. But God wanted them to understand that because, uh, that, that because they were small, that they must depend on him. And I think about that for my lives. How much do we run by ourselves, without God, until we run face-to-face to one of these enemies. <laughs> and usually it just causes us to turn around and run back to God. Has anybody felt uh, maybe small and powerless lately? I mean, think about it. I mean, you go to the stores now, just to be really just down to earth. You go to the stores and you want some TP, and there's none there. Well, and you go to the next store, and there's none there. And your power, there's nothing you can do. And, 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 and what about different products that are there? And so the next question is, uh, you know, when, when we look on our landscape of what's happening around us right now, um, is uh, are you scrambling around trying to make things work out for you and your family? Or are you really turning to God's promises and begin to remind him of those promises? He said he would drive out the enemies for you too. He said he would be your rear guard. He would be your, he's given you the whole armor of God. He said he would be your provider. I will provide for you. I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and my glory. Now, let me just tell you, if you think back about Elisha, uh, he got to the, or Elijah, excuse me, he got to the one point where he was out in the middle of the desert, chased out into the middle of the desert, and God provided food for him by a raven. Is that just a story, or can God do that again for you? I mean, I've never seen a a bird drop a roll of toilet paper, but uh, (laughs) let's not underestimate any of this. I mean, God can do it. You know, with him, there's nothing that's too difficult. Uh, and I, that would catch the attention of people, wouldn't it? You know, I mean, honestly. Uh, and, and so I think we really have to ask ourselves, how well are we right now turning toward God? Because although I, I, I believe that, 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 that there's some things that are overblown about what's happening around us right now, uh, we're still experiencing the results of that. 
And there are a lot of people around us and in our community that are totally fearful. Can you imagine not knowing Jesus Christ and going through this? I, I tell you, uh, it, it's, it's time that we really begin to make sure that when we feel small, that it's either going to push us into uh, fear or it's going to lead us to depend on him more than ever before. In other words, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to take the word of God uh, in our mouth to open up his miraculous power around us. And again, with him, nothing's too difficult. Listen to this uh, statement. In his strength and your weakness, there's a perfect combination for doing what you were called to do. In his strength, in your weakness, combined together, <clears throat> and you know the scripture says that in uh, your weakness, he is made strong. In other words, his strength is released into you and around you. And we begin to, and I think it's time that we begin to uh, make sure that our focus is not on the fact that, hey, we're just stuck and we're powerless and, and we're weak, but we, we're able to now come before God and cry out to God and get an answer from God for what we're to do and, and what he wants us to do. And, and, and he wants to use you in this time. He wants to use us in this season. As a matter of fact, you were made, believe it or not, you're here today because this is the time he needed you to be here. This is the time that he made you to be here. You're not here by accident. It is not, there's no accidents in God's economy. But he's working all things out for the good. Who? For those that love him and are called to what? The purpose of God. We're called to a purpose. You have a purpose. And, and again, we're going to either, you know, kind of crumble under and, and spend all this time trying to take care of ourselves, or we're going to really cry out to God and say, God, we really need to hear from you for what? For our city. Come on. For our city. God, we're caring about the city. We got a lot of people out there that are unsaved or far from Christ that don't know you that are in great fear right now. And that's not the heart of the Father. The heart is to send a deliverer. Well, who's the deliverer? Might it be us? Might it be us? And might we be here for such a time as this? And that's what I keep hearing in my heart and in my spirit. God, I want to be so in tune with you that I know exactly what you want to say, exactly what you're doing. None of this catches you off guard. Uh, and, 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 and I want to be in the middle of what you're saying. So what should our focus be when we feel uh, powerless and small in the face of what God is telling us to do? I think, number one, we need to remember uh, that God has all the power in the universe. God has all the power in the universe. As the scriptures say uh, in Jeremiah, there is nothing too difficult for him. Secondly, we need to remind ourselves of what God has done in the past. Are you reminding yourself of God's provision for you and for your life in the past? I think about David and how he did that. Remember when he was ready to face Goliath, what did he do? He says, man, I, I just remember when God helped me with the lion. And it was even greater when God helped me with a bear. And now he's going to help me with uh, this uncircumcised Philistine. I'm going to take care of him. And I, his boldness and his courage came because he remembered what God had done. And then the third thing is to remember the promises that God gave, has given to you. What has he given to you? Have we stayed in the word 
the Word of God enough to, to know those promises, because a lot of them are just written out right here in His Word. They're right there, and I need to take a hold of them now. And what about the prophetic words that you've gotten in your life? And, and what about the things that the Holy Spirit has just put on your heart to do and created you to do? How, are, you, are, you, are you remembering those promises? Because those are going to come to pass. And tragically, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years after getting saved out of their slavery in Egypt which is really a picture of so many today who have a saved soul but a wasted life. A saved soul but a wasted life. Uh, you're saved, uh, you're not going to hell, uh, but you're not doing anything for heaven along the way. And, and, and I think when, when, I, when I look across uh, what my Bible says, what your Bible says, I remember about the promises that he's given to us, and they weren't all about me. They were actually really about others once I've received him. And those that are far from Christ need to know that they can come close to Christ. Those that are away from him and in fear need to know that there's great peace to those that love him. Uh, those that are far from him need to know the way to him and need to know that he does love them. He does care about them. Uh, I, I just think, you know, even one of the promises that he's given to us uh, even in John chapter 16, we, we, 316, we know it so well, but listen, listen, listen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And, and then he goes on to say, he, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ came to give you life, what? Abundantly. In other words, with provision. There's a provision there. He could have just said, I came to give you fire insurance, life insurance. I could, he could have said that. And, and, and you've heard him throughout reading the Bible. He doesn't mince words sometimes. He, he, calls them what, he calls it out for what it is. But no, he said, listen, I want you to know there's an enemy that wants to do all of this, but I want to give you an abundant life. But unfortunately, tragically, they wandered in the wilderness, taking steps in the wrong direction, for 40 years. It's absolutely, it's mind-boggling in one respect, but really knowing our nature, it all makes sense. Come on. Let's not be too proud to think that we could never be there. So then Moses dies, and Joshua is already being raised up by God. He's got a plan in advance. He, he, he raises Joshua up, and Joshua then again and, and uh, goes up to the Jordan River, uh, and we have a picture of him stepping into it to do what? To part the waters so, again, uh, the people could step into the promised land. So now they're out of the wilderness, and they're heading into the promised land. And we read a little bit about that, that pep talk that he gave us. And we'll see that he has another pep talk for them in just a moment about going into the promised land. It's, it's important because a lot of times people think, well, the promised land, there shouldn't be any giants. I'm saved now. I shouldn't have any problems. Uh, well, that's not been my experience, and I have not read it in here yet 
about it being anybody else's experience. And so why would we expect? What we can expect is that my God will supply all of our needs. He's going to take care of us. He's, gonna, he's right there with us. He's not asleep. He's not gone. He's right there with us. And he wants to come, as it was prayed earlier, as uh, Patricia prayed, what about the peace of God coming to us and then coming into our community or our neighbors? What about, what about us being uh, authors of that? That's seeking the kingdom. He'll take care of this if I do this. If I seek the kingdom first, okay, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, he'll take care of all these other things. And that all included, if you read, just read through Matthew chapter 6, it's very encouraging. Uh, it includes your, uh, your, your clothing, your food, your TP. It take, covers everything. It's right there. You know, it's just in there. Just read it. Uh, and so here we go. Now, enter, now, again, Israel's now about to enter into uh, really to the plan that God had for him. His desire was not that they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, but now they're getting ready to uh, enter into it. And he's about to give them another pep talk. Why? Because it's not going to be easy for them to become what God wants them to be. It is not easy. It's not easy. What is easy, though, is to stay in your problems. It's easy to stay with your temper. It's easy to stay with unhealthy habits. It's easy to stay lazy. It's easy to stay argumentative and cantankerous. And it's easy to gossip, and it's also easy to be critical. It's easy to do anything but want everything or to be entitled. <laughs> Those are all easy things. That's the easiest thing in the world. Matter of fact, it just comes naturally if it's just left unattended, kind of like weeds. It's all you have to do to get weeds in your yard. A good, healthy garden of weeds is just to un leave it unattended. Don't do anything about it. And so those are the easy things, but, you know, you, 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 it's interesting. You don't have to do anything at all for your life just to pass by, just to disappear, be gone. But let's now bring this down to home for just a moment here. Uh, it, it's, it's easy to stay in your home. Okay, this is bringing it home here. I know you're supposed to stay in your home, so take this right. But it's easy to stay in your home and wait for this crisis to be over. But what if God is asking us to do a little bit more? What if God is asking us to fast and to call out for the cure? What if God is asking us to make declarations that will protect our economy? What if God is calling us to pray and, 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 and to ask God to, to keep our neighborhood safe from disease? What if he's asking us to do that? I mean, that's just, it's just, see the difference in perspective here. I can do this, I can worry and fear, and that will get me nowhere. Uh, or I can say, God, what are you wanting to do through this? Because he's at every crisis. I'll read your scriptures, he's at every crisis. He has the solution, and he really is asking us to call it out. Uh, Patricia wrote this down, and I thought it was really good. It says, what if the enemy of our soul is trying to get the upper hand and establish laws, boundaries, and territories in our state of crisis? But we were so busy trying to figure out where to get milk and TP that we couldn't think about interceding for the real issues. Wow. That is so powerful. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, at the start of this, I, 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 don't, uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I ever have had a sense of panic 
But I do remember thinking, finally, that we could run out of toilet paper. And I just started thinking, you know, that's an important thing. And so uh, it, it's just, I, I, it shifts us over to thinking so much natural. And I'm not saying that we don't make provision. I'm not saying that we don't use good hygiene. That's going to be a big part of this, they say. We do all of those things, but the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood at all. It's, it's about this thing called the principalities and the powers in high places. Whether you like it or not, we are currently in a battle uh, against the principalities and, paddle, uh, principalities and powers in high places. It's a battle, I believe, to test our resolve to walk in kingdom authority. Wow, just think if we got a hold of the Bible and we really believed everything it says and we're about to hear it again, uh, we're about to hear this pep talk that he's going to give to us today uh, in just a moment. And, and I, I think it's important uh, that we remember that these guys were actually, Israel was actually facing more real-looking giants than what we do. I mean, you can imagine a big army just crushing through with their guns and swords and they're going to just kill you. Okay, and, and so here's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. He says to them, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well, there we go, remember, remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Wow. You know, imagine that. I mean, here is the, 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 one of the greatest armies in the world at that time, in the then known world, the meanest and the strongest army, Pharaoh's army, and he totally destroyed them. And, 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 and he's just saying, hey, uh, if you say in your heart, and I'm thinking about, okay, what are we saying in our heart? Are we saying that this thing, this coronavirus, is greater than God? Is it out of his reach to resolve? And, 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 and if not, then we, we have the, the right, the responsibility as believers to really go to warfare in prayer to deal with this thing and ask for revelation to come. Um, and and I, I, I love this because what it's telling us is, is don't look to your limitations or even the opposition, but let's look at the Lord and remember all that he's done for you. Let's look at him. Let's get our focus on him. That's why this is a pivotal moment for us not to fear, but really to lean in and to hear the Holy Spirit speak like never before. And that's what we should all be leaning toward. When we're facing some, something difficult, just remember, God was faithful to you when you went through other difficulties. And he will be faithful to you again. He's been faithful to this nation when we've gone through a, amazing difficulties. When you think about uh, a portion of the world that wants to come and destroy us and they haven't been able to. Think about Israel, little Israel in the middle of all these attacks and yet God just what? He's just faithful. He's just protecting them. They will not do anything to him, to them, to us uh, without his permission. And it's just so important right now, church, that we begin to think like this. We begin to fill our minds with this. We go back to the Word, and we begin to do it. Now listen to this here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21. Don't be terrified of them. How many times in the Scriptures does it say, fear not? 
It's over and over and over. Fear not. Matter of fact, he told Joshua, uh, when Joshua was getting ready to lead him into the promised land, what was his pep talk to him? I'm thinking, why did he have to tell Joshua to not be discouraged or not be, you know, not be fearful? But potentially it's there. So we're being challenged up today, I hope, in a real way to say, Lord, I'm not going to be terrified. Don't be terrified of them. Listen to this. For the Lord your God, uh, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God, I love the personalization of this, will drive out those nations before you. But listen to this. This is the part you don't want to hear. He's going to drive those nations out before you. Little by little, uh, you will be unable to destroy them at once. He'll, He'll drive them out little by little, but you won't be able to do it at once. Lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. <laughs> so it's just going to be a little by little, step by step, not again what they wanted to hear, but it's amazing to remember that, you know, we just got to remember at times like that, you know, his ways are not our ways. And, and, and that we're able to trust him again. Uh, and I think of my own life, and maybe you can think of your life even right now. Just take a minute and think about it. How many things have you learned about yourself and about your trust in God through a tribulation and a trial and a challenge. And how many of you look back, and, and, and if you're honest, if you're honest about it, you look back and you thank God for that. You know what I'm saying? Because and, 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 he takes every circumstance that we face in life and he turns it to good if we let him. And, and, and I just think even the time when I was paralyzed up to my nose for two months, uh, way back, I'm telling you, I, I gained a revelation about God himself that literally transformed the rest of my life. I mean, it just totally changed me. Did I want to go through that? Was it fun? No. Try it. It's no fun at all. But I look back and I think, God, you, you, you used it for good. And, and you delivered me and you miraculously healed me on top of that. It was just like the, the, the frosting on the cake. But I, I think we're all like this. We, we, it's, it's sometimes the iron sharpening iron, and sometimes it's the pressure that brings the, the gold out in you and, 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 and actually helps to remove the dross. Uh, but he was going to do it. It was going to happen. They had confidence. That was their promised land. It was given to their father Abraham uh, years earlier, and, 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 and that was their confidence. Uh, but it was only going to happen incrementally, and it's going to happen step by step. And I just want, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you've had a, a journey that you're on, and it's been a while. Uh, don't, do not fear. Don't be terrified of them. The Lord your God is with you. Wow, it's just amazing. So let's just look at a couple uh, values now of just uh, this small step concept. And I want to just wrap it up this morning with this, as I found this to be very beneficial for me. And uh, as we've been going through this series, it's really been changing me and thinking, wow, yeah, that's right. I, 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 I get overwhelmed if I think about one year because one year goes by really fast. But if I've stretched it out like I have with this five years, and then I understand this principle of line upon line, precept upon precept, then all of a sudden it becomes hopeful. 
all of a sudden I begin to see the hand of God in it. And, and so I want to talk about this, the value of small steps. Uh, and this actually was kind of the point last week when we talked about Elisha killing the oxen, but then he followed and served and took small steps behind Elijah for 18 years. That steady progression is what happens uh, that, that really works. It's the daily step-by-step living and overcoming that changes us. And, and we saw there in Deuteronomy chapter 7 that the Lord emphasizes step by step, little by little. A small habit may be disregarded uh, because it doesn't show improvement quickly. But choosing a keystone habit will have the domino effect in your life. Some small habits have a greater ability to transform your life than others. It's the principle of uh, the, it's called the keystone habit. I, I, I read a book called Many, M-I-N-I, Habits and, and, and How to Change Your Life. And uh, this one point was it's called the keystone a habit, and let me just give you the read the definition of it. Keystone habits are certain routines that lead to a cascade of other positive actions. So one little thing that leads to something else. They also create a structure that allows other habits to flourish. In other words, keystone habits are a catalyst that can unleash a chain re- reaction of habitual goodness. And if you've ever seen an archway made out of rock. The keystone is that one right in the very center, and it's usually even shaped a little different, and and it's up there, and if you remove that, everything else crumbles around it. It's important for us to realize if we can establish some small step-by-step things that we can do, we can literally change the things that we've not liked about ourselves, We can change the things that we have thought we've never been able to overcome because maybe we approached it wrong. You know, the crash diet, all the different things, or maybe a spiritual breakthrough. We've approached it wrong, and we haven't been able to get there. But I want to give us some thoughts here about, you know, being too small to fail. Too small to fail. In the the book, Many Habits, uh, Stephen Geis uh, says, small habits, bigger results. Small habits, bigger results. And, and, and the whole idea as I, as I read it is that, uh, and, and this is taking a little bit from the Caroline Leaf too. Many of you have heard of her. She's the uh, neurosurgeon and, and a brain specialist. That She's done all this research amazingly to catch up with the Bible finally to show us, hey, man, God knew this all along. Uh, but, but you have this, this highway in your brain that you literally, uh, you, you literally wire. You rewire it so that you literally think differently and you begin to do things automatically because of that. Now, some of those can be bad habits, stepping in the wrong direction. But what we want to do is take small steps in the right direction. And one of the points that he brings out in his book, in The uh, the Many Habits, is that by making small steps, uh, or by making our steps so small... (laughs) that you will be embarrassed if you don't do it. In other words, how little can I make this step? And what he uses is the one push-up a day. One push-up a day. Now listen to this, because I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks now, that the, the, the reality of that, because it seems kind of dumb, 
But the principle is you're rewiring your brain. You're making a new highway, which makes the domino effect, which makes now the larger thing more possible. The greater thing uh, that, that seemed impossible all of a sudden just begins to happen. So you say, okay, I'm going to commit every day. It's that everyday step-by-step -step thing that changes and rewires us. I'm going to do one push-up a day. I jump down and do it, but you'd lose sight and you wouldn't believe that I did it. So anyway, but one push-up a day. Well, I can do that. You can do that. Anybody can do that every day. There's no way that you would even, you'd, you'd be embarrassed yourself to say, well, I couldn't do one. But the key is, is that once you get down there to do one push-up, why not do two and then do three? And then the next time you do four and the fifth is just as easy to do in one. And, and so, but you've already rewired your brain by just committing to one. And so you're not failing every time you turn around to keep the diet or to keep something, but to get specific about it and to really allow these small steps. And I, I just wonder, you know, for each and every one of us, you know, how, how could we apply this to our lives? You know, oddly enough, and I've read two or three people that did this, and, uh, and I'm, I'm wrapping up with this. I've read two or three people that did uh, search on this. And do you know, I don't like this one at all. But it says that making your bed every day develops discipline in your life. I don't like that at all. I don't like making a bed. But oddly enough, it's at the top of the charts for so many people. Another thing was, you know, brushing or flossing one tooth a day. Flossing one tooth a day. Can you imagine that? Well, how many can fail at that? None of us. Do we all like to take time and stop and do them all? No. But let's do one. Let's just commit. We've made a commitment to this small step. Every day, one of my teeth are going to get, hopefully not the same one, but one of my teeth is going to get flossed every single day. You're going to retrain your brain, and before you know it, you'll be doing them all. What about 15 minutes a day with God? You know, is that really so hard? I mentioned a couple weeks ago that if you spent 15 minutes a day with God in five years, you would spend 450 hours with God. That's going to change your life. That's going to transform who you are. What about reading the Bible? What if we, instead of trying to read a, a whole chapter a day, what if you would start it with one every day and you committed to one Bible verse every day? We can all do that. There's no excuse for me not to do that. I'd have to, again, laugh at myself or be embarrassed to not do that. But yet, because we don't think we can read it all, we end up reading none of it so very often. And what I'm telling you, if there's one thing that you could do, uh, the, the best thing you could do the rest of your life is to get into your Bible every day. And again, it, it, it ends up the same principle. You'll probably read a couple more than one, but you'll never fail to read one be retraining your brain. And the Apostle Paul talks about that, right? He says, you need to renew your mind. And, and, and he says, as you think in your heart, so are you. And then what about just obedience to his voice? What if we learn or ask him to teach us how to hear his voice? And what if we just said every day for one minute, and I thought about this, and, I, and it may very well be an inspired thought here this morning. What if I just stopped every day for one minute and said, Lord, teach me to hear your voice right now, and then just stayed silent for one minute, set the clock. Would God begin to break through? I, I know he will. 
I know he will. And if there's one thing that I would say to you uh, that, that's more important than anything else, and that's do we hear God's voice? He says, my sheep know my voice. So let's, just, let's begin to put some, you know, some things into action. Too small to fail. Too small to fail. I can do one push-up. I, I, I can read one verse. I can pray 15 minutes or whatever you can make that would make you not to fail that. I, I can listen to God for just a moment. I can hear Him through the day. My message in a sentence is this. Victory isn't one huge thing and then all of a sudden you're undefeated. It's a small things continually repeated. Victory isn't one huge thing and then all of a sudden you're undefeated. It's a small thing continually repeated. And I'm thinking for the day that we're in, the things that we're facing today, Let's start taking some small steps toward defeating what the enemy means for evil. And let's begin to see it turn to good. Just bow your heads for just a moment, uh, even right there in your homes. And uh, God has a plan, God has a purpose. God's not losing. He's not losing. He's got you in mind. He's got your situation in mind. He's got our city situation in mind. And he has us here for our city. And I want to challenge us up. We Now's the time to intercede. Don't, don't spend a lot of time just taking care of yourself. Let's take care of our city like he's called us to do. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us prayer direction. And, 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 and let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us his wisdom. And let's ask the Holy Spirit what to bind and what to loose. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to uh, destroy the works of the enemy. Come on. Let's do it. It's time to do it. And so, Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that as a church, although we uh, may not be together here, we are still together. And we're together in spirit, and we're together in truth. And I pray that us as a church and as a, each one of us as individuals, God, would take our rightful place today, now more than any other day, we would take our rightful place to see this whole coronavirus stopped in the name of Jesus and people's lives preserved in the name of Jesus, that those that even have it would be completely healed and restored. And, and Father, we thank you that you said we had the authority and you demonstrated it when you walked on earth. And so God, we're crying out to you today. Lord, release your authority over our city, over our nation, and Father, really over the world. You, you died for the whole world, Father. And we pray and we release our faith. Just pray right now, if you're right in your home, just pray. Father, we release our faith toward the move of God in our day to see this crisis end, ended in Jesus' name and the impact of it resolved in Jesus' name. The abundant provision for those that have lost their jobs and that are in waiting, Father, we pray that there would be a total restoring. You said whatever the enemy steals would have to be repaid double. And so we're asking, Father, for an amazing return and that the supply and the provision would take place and the glory of God would be revealed on the earth. And God, we thank you for that. And we thank you for your word. 
And we bless you, Father, today in the name of Jesus.